It's the Almost Perfect Podcast. Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast, a celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Hi, I'm Bob Perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we're learning from Kaylin Root. Now, Kaylin is a photographer. She's a student. Uh, she's a single mother. And she's got a 9 to 5 with a jewelry brand, which I can't remember all of the titles that she holds there, but it's a number of them. And she will be telling you that in a few minutes, probably in the next three to four minutes time, you will find out exactly what she does in, for that jewelry brand. But right now, I can't remember because I don't write down notes for the things I'm meant to say to you right now. Now, Kaylin is amazing. Uh, she's a wonderful photographer, very talented, great eye, love her work. Uh, she's also just an incredible person. Um, like I said, she's a single mom. And as someone who grew up with a single mom, it was kind of cool getting to chat to her about that, about that struggle. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've come to understand my own mom a lot more and <laughs> resent her a lot less. And I think this conversation definitely helped a little bit in that regard and just putting things in perspective a bit. But Kaylin's made a lot of sacrifices, uh, none of which I think she minds too much. She's grown a lot in the last few years. And we discuss all of that. We discuss what it's like, man. Um, I'm sure some of you listening to this are single parents and will be able to relate. Some of you might have grown up with a single parent and will be able to relate. And maybe, you know, you have none of those things. Maybe you've got your partner. Maybe, you know, you had both your parents. But either way, I think there's plenty of things in this podcast you will be able to relate to. Uh, Kaylin and I get into what it's like, you know, being white in South Africa but not like in a oh things are so hard for us kind of way but more just a we're brought up racist and we have to continually try and fight that so we discuss you know stuff like that we get into how Kaylin got into photography how she got her first job for the Times of London uh, as a journalist she was doing photography before that but that was her first journalistic job was with the Times of London so we get into how she got that and you know how her politics were shaped by so many of the things she saw and did as a photojournalist. So this is a really interesting conversation. It goes all over the place. Uh, I'm sure there's some things that I say that you'll probably disagree with. There were some things that I said that even I disagreed with when I was listening back. I was like, ah, that's a little bit stupid, dog. But I'm going to leave it in there because whatever. It's the almost perfect podcast. It's not the perfect podcast. So you're going to get some of my mistakes in there. And yeah, it's a cool back and forth conversation between Kaylin and I. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, you see now everyone who's listened to this podcast before, they know what I'm about to do. I'm about to say, if you like it, you can like us on Facebook at the Almost Perfect Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at almost underscore podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram at almost perfect Bob. Other than that, you can just listen to us. There you go. You're doing it already. Thank you. Well done. Good good, good on you. Uh, you can also give some stars, a bunch of stars there on iTunes. Hit five. Like a thank you. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Because apparently we haven't got enough uh, ratings yet for iTunes to say, yo, this is how many ratings these guys get. We've had like 12 ratings, most of which are five stars, one of which is four stars. Thank you, but fuck you, but thank you. Um, <laughs> actually four stars is about what I would give it actually I would give it like a three but I appreciate the five stars uh, so yeah you can give five stars you can also just leave a comment on iTunes you can just subscribe 
on whatever platform you are listening on. And all of that helps just a little bit. It helps to be seen by more people. It helps the analytics and the robots and the AIs go, yo, maybe like if you like this, then you'll like that. You know how that thing works? Hopefully it's going to work for me and more people <laughs> will hear this. Uh, other than that, if you like the podcast, if you really like the podcast and you want to contribute a little bit of cash to it, then you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. Now, Patreon is a platform where content creators can connect with their, I don't want to say fans, I'm just going to say audience because I don't think I have any fans, but I definitely have audience members and that's you right now. And this is a way that we can interact a little bit more. You can chip in, help with the costs of this podcast, which will be a thing soon, as soon as I can hire someone to edit it a little bit better than I do. And by that, I mean a lot better. Uh, I think I'm getting better at the whole editing thing, but I definitely like to just hire someone else to do that. So if you want to help with that, you can go do so over at Patreon and you will get extra benefits. I'm giving away a Harry Potter TCG starter kit courtesy of the Unseen Shop. Now this is going to anyone that is subscribed to the Patreon at the moment uh, by the end of the month. So just get your Patreon subscription in by the end of the month and you will be entered into the draw to win, yes, a Harry Potter trading card game starter kit for two people. So if you're a Potter head or you know any Potter heads, perfect gift uh, to give them and you don't even have to tell them you want it. You can just be like, yo, I got this thing specifically for you because I saw it one day in a store and it made me think of you. Not, well, it was into, into a random lucky draw. I fucking hate Harry Potter, but I'm sure you'll like this. You know, don't, don't, don't tell them that. But if you like Harry Potter, then, you know, just enter into the vibe. I feel like I've been rambling a little bit and I'm still going to ramble just a slightly little bit more. Uh, last thing I need to say is also on the Patreon, we're giving away a case of Durban Poison beer. So if that sounds like something you want, go sign up to the Patreon because once we get to 10 patrons, uh, I will send off a whole entire case. That's 24 beers to one of you. Uh, obviously you've got to be over 18 and that applies to people in South Africa the Harry Potter thing doesn't I can afford <laughs> to send that anywhere in the world and also other than that you can also suggest guests and ask questions and a few other things that I'm working on at the moment cool so that's the whole pitch of me trying to get money out of you I'm just saying it's a dollar a month that's 14 rand that's like what how much that's like per week that's three rand something per week I'm sure you get three rands worth of value out of this podcast every single week. And if you do, then go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. If you don't, that's fine. I don't get any value out of you either, motherfucker. So it's all good. I do get, actually, that's a lie. I get some value out of seeing the stats go up each week. So thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for all of the things. I really appreciate it. And let's get into the podcast with Kaylin Root. So yeah, there's no need to feel nervous, Kaylin. <laughs> Oh, that's a very good start. It's just a <coughs> I think that's definitely... Oh, my God. That was actually literally how we met. What? Just you we laughing? Just fucking laughing nervously. <laughs> Where did we meet? Amsterdam. I think we'd met at the Bat Center and then that climbed was up onto the roof of Amsterdam. Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. And then I got threatened to be put in a grave. I so know. I know. I'll never... Like, you, what did you say? You were like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> What do you want? Like, I just want to have fun. <laughs> that, just one. <laughs> that's kind of just always been my philosophy. So, yeah. So, this is Kaylin Root. And you do quite a few different things. But, like, the reason why I've got you here is because you're a photographer. Um, yeah. That is the main thing that, like, I 
subscribe to you, but you're also a single mom and you're also doing a bunch of other things at the moment. So how does your day go? Because you were saying you wake up at like four in the morning now. Yeah. So I started studying this year. I, I don't have like a degree or anything. I finished my trick and then uh, life happened. Um, so this year I started studying a visual arts degree through UNISA and um, trying to fit that in with being a single mom and uh, working a full-time job and you know trying to fit in a whole bunch of other side gigs as well means that I've got to be pretty strict about routine and like I was getting home and just being completely exhausted and didn't really have the mental space to then study so had to like reshift my schedule so I go to bed at nine wake up at four but this is the joys of being a single parent is that my child has now decided that four o'clock is a great time for her to wake up as well so <laughs> like my plan has been fueled but um yeah we're figuring it out which is just kind of our vibe we just keep figuring things out what was the change of like you know shifting to such early mornings like for you and do you find you actually have more energy for it in the morning now to study and that like how yeah like definitely and it's nice to be able to start my day off with something that's important to me and then like i mean my job is just there to kind of pay bills and all the rest of it so it's like i get to wake up focus on the thing that's important to me um, spend some time with Mia. We do like 10 minutes of recorder, 10 minutes of guitar practice, get ready for like school and everything. And then off she goes. I go off to work, sometimes have like a half hour break to have a cup of coffee and a catch up with a friend. And then, yeah, hit the grind, slog away, and then get home, do the whole mom thing, and try and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and like not sit there like wide awake thinking of all the things I could have done better in the day. <laughs> Is that how you know usually like well how you've been before like you've just been a little bit obsessive about No, not at all. No. But is it more like now like because you yeah, got because like you got routine, you got schedule, you've already got so many hours in the day now exactly, that they have I've to be filled so perfectly. Many more precious things that I need to do with my time. I've become like so militant and like really strict with schedules and like and yeah, it's also been good in terms of relating to people as well. Like I'm really strict about don't fuck around with my time. Like my time is precious. So if we say we're going to meet and hang out, like that's what we've got to do. We've got to do it at X time. And like, yeah, yeah. And it's been good to keep like those boundaries in place. It's I healthy. get super frustrated these days. Like, yeah, when people are late and stuff like that, because you're like, no, yeah. like I've got like another thing to do after this yeah. like i can't yeah. like i said i said one o'clock because at two o'clock i've got to leave exactly. like if you get you at hot past one you know that fucks up everything yeah. so like and you know when i was younger i was definitely like oh you can be five ten minutes late yeah like be an hour late like i don't care like you know, <laughs> happens, fully. you know like you keep going with the flow and like whatever and yeah now i'm just like mm, no people that don't respect your time no no. <laughs> so what what is your day job at the moment? So I work for a jewelry designer. I do all her product photography um, and I manage her e-commerce store and I manage her the, the kind of retail side of the production studio. So how did you get into that? Um, so I started working for her part-time. Um, it was like a side gig that... Um, just became more lucrative and the working environment was really positive and it's really nice to have a steady income and like I've been hustling the freelance vibe for so long and 
Yeah, we've been doing it. Like I remember when you kind yeah. of started it. Yeah, like yeah, I'd yeah. like been starting doing it. Like yeah. we used to both hang out at the factory cafe. Exactly. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah get and our work like done from there. Time, sweet times. It but was, but it's like always really just a struggle. Stressful. Yeah, I remember time. how much you used to like stress tons yeah. about like being able yeah. to pay for everything. Yeah, because you've got fucking bills that aren't gonna stop coming in and. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's literally non-stop. And especially it's when you have a kid, you would be and a bulls double. You like kind of, you want to provide for your kid in a certain way and you want to be able to give them a certain lifestyle and a certain kind of like foot up in life. And yeah. And that means you you've got really to work careful. harder. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, my mom worked two jobs when I was growing up. And yeah. when I was younger, I didn't really appreciate it as much. You know, I definitely took stuff for granted. But like nowadays, I see like how much she sacrificed just for me to have like the life that I have now, you know, like to go from yeah. where I was and like achieve the things I have is because of the sacrifices yeah. she made. So it's really dope that like, you know, you want- she wanted to make, I'm sure. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, Pierre, because you were saying really like earlier, like, yeah, just how much like Mia's added to your life. Like, yeah, exactly. And, but when before that, did you, were you a bit more of a selfish person or how would you see things? Like, was it a big shift in your mindset because when you had a kid? I had her so young, I had no idea of who I actually was as a person whatsoever like so it's it's kind of difficult for me to to know who I was before Mia because it, I was like I was felt pregnant when I was 23 had her when I was 24 it's like you know you're still trying to fucking like suss out where shit is at and also like at the time I was in a like incredibly abusive relationship and like that was all like really yeah hence me getting threatened to be put exactly, in a grave exactly <laughs> fuck remember that like, you're probably one of the few people that I know who, like, has that kind of... Understanding of who... that, yeah, that situation. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that situation, wh- like, how did you... How, yeah, how did you get into it? It's like, because, I mean, you were just young, dumb... No, like, I, I, like, I think I'd gone, like... I had a childhood that was very devoid of love, like... Not to say that I didn't have a very privileged childhood. It's so weird because both you and your brother are so loving. Like, and, but and yeah, and I think we really, I think we gave that to each other. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your so brother's obviously the musician Damien wrote. Yes. So. Yeah. And he teaches me in music on a, like a Monday evening, and yeah. That's wonderful. It is. It's the sweetest thing. It's like a really wonderful. Like we've really formed. That's cool bonding like a time. Family kind of dynamic, outside of like the norms of like the nuclear family kind of thing and it, it's been really important to me and it like a really important theme as well um because of ryan yeah ryan like not Reno. yeah he's not her biological dad but um he's the person that mia sees as her dad and him and i are not in a relationship so there's having to navigate um like something that you don't have a template for in terms of how do you, you know, negotiate and sustain a relationship that's no longer based on what it was based on before and it's now needs to take on, like, its own... I've always wondered, like, you... Because you and Ryan were, like, in a relationship for a while and then, yeah, yeah, you guys stopped the relationship but Ryan kept on being a father figure to Mia. And it's amazing because, like, I've I've got really high expectations of people. and I'll often have people coming up and going like, oh my God, it's amazing what Ryan's done. Like, it's just incredible. And not taking not away anything what you've from done, the fact. Like <laughs> well, no, no, not, not taking anything from away from the fact that what he does and who he is and who he is to me is absolutely 100% incredible. But like, 
what was your expectation that like someone was going to be involved in a child's life and then you know just fucking ghost on them like I mean, what it, is society's expectation? Like, is that okay? Well, like, is that, is uh, from, that okay with that? From my experiences, the, like know. every time there's like was a dude with my mom for like two years, like they would try buddy up for a while. But like I always knew, like you know, they weren't going to last. Yeah. So like, yeah, I never like ever took them seriously. Yeah. So I definitely think I might have negatively affected some of my mom's <laughs> relationships because of that. Like I think Mia's going to be doing that a lot. She's really like, no, you can't have a boyfriend. This is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> I mean, but that now does become the consideration as well with whoever you date, yeah. I would assume, is you've got to think, like, this, how does this person factor into my daughter's life, first yeah. and foremost, more than your own, I would assume. Like, and I don't think I did it as consciously with Ryan, but I, I definitely was very clear about, like, shame. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember seeing him alive, and I was like, clocked him, and I was like, that's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't stand a chance. <laughs> he is an absolute sweetheart. <laughs> he is. He's amazing. And it's been amazing to go on this like journey of, yeah, just it's just a constant negotiation of, yeah, trust and boundaries. And and it, I think it's done him the world of good. It's done me the world of good. Um, it's done me a fucking such, such amazing service. So, yeah. Yeah, to have you know positive male role models. Yeah. I've heard I've heard they're quite good in people's lives. Like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's. I mean, my mom was a pretty positive male role model. In exactly. My life. Like exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, I, to be completely honest, I didn't have that many actual positive male role models in my life, and this all turned out okay. And teachers and friends and uh, like no, friends, most of them are like no, like like my first friend's dad who really like liked me and appreciated me was Luke Smith, and I was like eighteen, yeah. nineteen. Yeah. Like Rob was like the first dad that ever made me like feel welcome, like in like a friend's home. So. Yeah. Yeah, I never really had that at all. And, like, you know, most of my friends were older, but they, like, I was very misunderstood, you know, by yeah. my surroundings. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. Yeah, never had. And also, yeah, not really positive male role models in Umbilo. Like, you know, all my yeah. older <laughs> friends were, you know, breaking shits, telling me to steal stuff, you know, Dude, that sort of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sort of thing, you know, like going to clubs at the age of like 15 and like yeah. because exactly so definitely no no real positives yeah. but my mom was like strong but like I mean I can definitely see if there was like a good male role model in my life that it would have maybe changed the way I treated women earlier in my life yeah, like I, but at the I same time like I think it could be the exact opposite because of how shitty most men are to women like and most yeah. of the behaviors you learned about that are negative you know towards women are from older men so I don't know well I don't know because my my impression of you having known you for all this time it's been a while <laughs> is that like of all the of like the of all the crew like to me, you were always the one who, like, you were really fucking good about, like, checks. I mean, you went through your, like, fucking player stage and everything. But, like, <laughs> you know, like, over and above all of that, like, I don't know. You always seemed like the one that wasn't actually doing the exploiting kind of aspect of it that I feel like there was a phase where a lot of that was happening. I mean, I was always conscious of, like, trying not to be exploitative, if that made yeah. sense. Like, I was always... And is that not due to, you know, your... Whereas some of the other yeah, guys I might like have had a bit more sympathy, exactly. In their lives, 
It was also, I just saw how my mom was treated probably and so I didn't want to do that back. But at the same time, you also have your desires and your ego and all of that. And like as a young guy, that drives you a lot. So it's almost impossible. (laughs) Like it's not impossible to be a good guy when you're growing up. But at the same time, you know, most of us are going to be shitty like human beings to women like at times. Yeah, you're deconditioning from, you know, all the fucking shit that you get drummed into. Yeah, like, fuck, I I actually, yeah, feel sorry for you know, 16-year-olds to 23-year-olds nowadays. I'm so glad I don't ever have to go through that again. <laughs> like, it's just, like, such a... No. I mean, I'm still going through, like, an existential crisis a day, but they're very <laughs> different, like, now. It's not based on... context to it. It's, like, <laughs> grit to kind of, like, hold on to. Yeah, you're no longer, like, basing your self-worth on, like, you know, whether or not you can get girls, which yes. is, I think, my player phase, as you put it, was yes. about that. It was about, yeah. like, validating myself through other people, through, uh, you know these girls like me they see value in me so that's good but that's also very shallow and you don't give the girls like much value back because you're actually just trying to get something from it yeah so i don't know i don't know like if it's ever been like that for you like being desirable like that thing of like basing your desirability on you know your sexuality as opposed to you know other aspects of yourself and i think when you're young, like, it's one of the things that you know. Like, by by the time you get to, like, your late teens, 20s, like, one of the, like, things that you probably know the most about yourself is whether you're gay or straight. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's something that comes, like, I don't know. That's, well. that, like, that's something that I've more, always, like, had a, some doubts every now and again. Yeah, like, yeah, but, I mean, like, you kind of... Even as you get older. Yeah, like, or, or you kind of also kind of know, like, well... I'm like, a little bad. I'm, I'm straight, <laughs> I've definitely got, like... Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, you know, Ryan Gosling together. That would be a good time. Would be a good time. <laughs> like no matter Such a good time. exactly, <laughs> no matter who you are, like no matter how you oh identify. Oh my god! Can we please make that happen? <laughs> how do we make that happen? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that would be yeah. such a good time. Such so. <laughs> So there you go, even like, but so you were saying, you know, you'd kind of know your... Yeah, so I think like you then kind of base your desirability around like that one aspect of yourself that you know. So, you know, then it becomes about like, you know, whether a guy finds you attractive or a woman finds you attractive, that becomes like a commodity in a way in your social kind of circle. Well, that's it. I do think it is social currency as well as just confidence for yourself like you know you you feel better about yourself because yeah you managed to hook up with someone who you thought was out of your league like you know before or something and then like it just becomes a weird shallow like such a fucking sad bastard situation (laughs) so glad i'm in my 30s (laughs) that's the cool thing like as you get older you're just like fuck it like just yeah be with someone because you like being with them also just know yourself better yeah like do you feel like you know yourself a lot better now well obviously more than like in your early 20s but as you've gotten older like do you find yourself being more sure of yourself or yeah way more way more i do not suffer fools (laughs) but just every year i don't know i don't know if i ever have no i definitely have suffered fools no I'm, (laughs) i'm way more kind of resolved in who i am and like yeah so who are you Ah. <laughs> You're not my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not Mark Marin yet. We'll we'll get there one day. 
Um, but okay, well, one of the things I did remember about the time at uh, Factory Cafe and the early days of you trying to hustle, because you yeah. also brought it up before we got on cast, is yeah. you're a photographer who just straight up became a journo for the London Times or who? Yeah, what, the Times of London. The Times of London. Yeah. Like you hadn't had any experience before that. In journalism. No, well, you were yeah. a photographer. So, so, before what, that. so what? How did I get? Oh, it was Samora and I. Both of us. Samora Chapman. Yeah, Samora Chapman. Both of our kids were going to this amazing preschool. If anybody out there has kids, you've got to send your kids to Gina and Gecko. Just putting it out there. <laughs> like the most Especially if you want school. your kids to be like free, like thinking kind of vibes. Yeah, and like just have a good solid foundation. She's amazing. And also just support for you as well. And uh, so him and I were sending our kids to the same place and we're both photographers. And um, there was the... <sighs> And he's like also kind of doing the vibe of like not he's not entirely a single parent but, yeah. he, but he's co-parenting and yes. so he's also got to yes. provide yes. like he's yeah. also got to like make money as a photographer yeah, like we often hang out socially and stuff like that and and the forced um, removals were happening in Cato Manor where um, I remember that time yeah, yeah so people were getting kicked out of their well not kicked like fucking their homes were being bulldozed down and they were being shot at in order to get them to flee. And they ha- didn't have the court order at the time that we were kind of investigating, but they had subsequently got a court order that prevents the red ants, what they are commonly known as, um, from coming in and just like forcing them from their homes. On like fucking shit days, like, like the day before Christmas, you know, like fucking awful, awful. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that was do you think happening. That, do you think they do that as like a psychological thing to Absolutely. deter them? Like Absolutely. to be like, if you come, like, yeah. Like yeah, and another like psychological fuck up or fuckery is um, they will often get people from their own community and like give them the fucking uniform and send them in. And that's like what you're getting paid to do today. So like off you go, if I can get out there and like. That is fucking evil. Evil, Yeah. Because the reason why everyone's there is because they're not employed. And so you give someone exactly. employment to remove everyone there. Exactly. That's dark shit. <sighs> oh, fuck. Yeah. That is... And there are loads of assassinations happening. I know about a lot yeah, of... I remember especially at that time. Yeah, weren't being investigated. Um, <laughs> I mean, like most the, of them still aren't. Yeah, like there was an ME... I think it was the MEC. This is like going a while back. But there was an MEC who had threatened that people that were causing problems. Like the kind of... Yes, I remember this. Yeah, yes, he was that they were going to be dealt with, and um, this really hectic assassination happened like a few days afterwards. Um, that just like really reeked to high hell that it was him, like yeah. putting all the dots together. But yeah, it it was never a case that was brought against him. I don't even think. I mean, well, we have a lot of that happen, like here in KZN. Yeah, like KZN's the highest province of political assassinations. Um, I mean, I get, because I get, I get, I get updates, like private yeah. updates about, like, what happens in different townships and different yeah. vibes, like, because of Durban is yours, I'm on a d- few different lists, and yes. so I hear, like, a lot about a lot of, like, yeah, the political killings yeah. and a lot of, like, yeah, the hostile killings and stuff yeah. like that, and it's, they know who it is, like, and no yeah. one ever gets arrested. Yeah, and, like, massive, like, gang groups that form around yep. and rally around, and, yeah, like, and even prior to um, 94, like, it was also just, like, a real hotbed of 
like hectic political violence. Like more okay, so then, yeah. More so than anywhere else. Like, like quite particular. Well, yeah, we had that. Like, I mean, I don't know how much people listening know the history. Like, you know, with yeah. the IFP and the ANC and stuff. Yeah. It's actually a weird thing. I guess we also at that age now where we talk about stuff that we would assume a lot of people would know, and they probably don't. Like youngsters these days have no real clue about. Yeah, I mean, what like happened doing, doing this degree is really testing my ignorance about this a lot. Like, because a lot of the artworks are made in response to you know, times and places that I thought I knew about, but I actually, I really don't. Like, my, my knowledge is really lacking. In well, because we're not really taught, like, enough in school. I mean... Yeah, <laughs> and I also think it's a bit of a propaganda thing of, like, you know, the whole Rainbow Nation, ra- like, nation-building kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, that was... ...didactic that we were fed in, like, junior school and, like, you know, we sing the new anthem and everything was, like, those, like, real, like, blankets yeah. over, you know, hot coals. Yeah, and I mean, it's been that way ever since. Yeah. And, like, that's why we see, like, you know, that's been cracking forever now. Yeah. Like, because it's not real. It's not real redress. It's, you know, we don't have the... Well, <laughs> yeah, like, we need to redistribute wealth. Like, that's the only... Like, I get how we do it is a complicated matter. Like, of course. But at the moment, too many people don't have enough money. And too few people have too much money. And that is why we have literally all the problems that we have. It's, if you can't see that, you are willfully ignorant, I think. I yeah. mean, the reason why people are living, you know, in shacks is because you are living in a mansion. Like, those two things correlate. They Absolutely. are together. Like they. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I haven't actually researched this statistic, but it was something that a friend told me, so I, I don't know. Um, but something crazy like 50% of our national healthcare budget goes to supporting private health, subsidizing private healthcare. I had no fucking clue about that, but and that is true. Like, I want to burn stuff down. 8% of the population. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't use so private healthcare, so. No, me neither. Like, it's just completely unattainable. And Most people can't. And like, an absolute capitalist swindle. Like, Discovery is issuing credit cards, people. This yeah, they're like a bank. They're a fucking bank. They they always were though. That's yeah. <laughs> but that's I mean what insurance essentially is. Exactly. Like it's its own form of banking. Like yeah. you're just yeah. depositing in so lieu I of like you're gambling. I, like, all, I mean like I am all for nationalizing <laughs> like in healthcare and having like I mean healthcare is nationalized though. Like it's just not efficiently run. Well no, I think we need to do away with private healthcare. Like that Completely. should not be a thing. Do you not okay, this is an interesting conversation. Do you not believe in having private and public running side by side? No, because then you have a divide between those who have get to, you know, purchase a better service. That's No, that's but a I mean no, you just tax No, but the thing is if you tax the rich, then you can just make public stuff good and I then still private think you should fucking tax the rich. Yeah, but that's some, but the thing is private so, so private then becomes irrelevant Germany, if you make it good enough. Now we're talking about in Canada. So yeah. Canada has chatting to like a German medical student who was staying with me recently. Canada has this um, system where everybody is, they, they've got one company that services the healthcare and it provides healthcare for every single citizen and the healthcare is absolutely the same across the board. There is no chance of like upgrading your room or every, anything, everything is exactly the same. And you know how when you go to um, I do get like your that. fucking ID done and you like, 
everybody has to be on that same fucking bureaucratic, painful fucking <laughs> level. It is beautiful. I think more of that shit needs to happen. Like, Except we need to get out of the fucking... Like, South Africa is really good at building little fucking bubbles. Yeah. And, like, I love going to home affairs because it's one of the few places that those bubbles are, like, really burst. And, like, you know, you've got, you know, Madame with the Gucci and, like, you know, someone else behind who, like, probably hasn't been able to have a bath for three days standing right up against a <laughs> Gucci Prada handbag. Like, that is important. We need to have those spaces where interact we definitely do need to have more of those spaces because i mean you just look at how wealth like segregates itself people keep moving up the coast people you know you have mount edgecombe you have like all these different places Mm -hmm. where more and more people are becoming more and more segregated like you just go and you go in your fucking car into a bubble you leave your bubble in your bubble of a car and you land up at your bubble of an office and like you never actually interact with people that are on the other side so it's incredibly difficult for you to have empathy for them. Yeah, or just any sort of perspective of how the world yeah. actually no, is. Yeah, excusing it, but... No, I, I mean, but that is a structural problem. No, I agree with you 100%, and it just keeps, like, reinforcing itself, though. Like, that's... Yeah. The way the structures have been created are so that they keep enriching, like, a small class of people continually. And that's why, like, I do, like, feel like we do need to... So do away with fucking private yeah. healthcare and health insurance. I can definitely health see that. insurance should be something that everybody can afford to... Well, or it should be graded in terms, to, in terms of how much you can afford to contribute. Yeah, but everyone should get base level Absolutely. Healthcare. Everyone should get the same fucking healthcare. No, I agree with you there. I mean, I was just saying it, like, from a... And, like, I mean, not from a healthcare standpoint, but in general, like, I do think capitalism and socialism can go side by side, but probably not with essentials. Like, uh, we do, shouldn't have privatized water. We shouldn't have, you know, privatized yeah. electricity. Like, yeah. uh, I know some people are arguing that, especially at the moment, and I get it with ESCOM being ESCOM, but ESCOM doesn't need to be what it is. Like, no, and, like, that's also, you know, that's a problem that is a problem at the moment, but because it's a problem that's going to, that affects the rich, I predict that it's probably going to be a problem that we solve quite quickly. What, ESCOM? Yeah. Uh, we'll be- see. Because it's, it's because it's impacting the people who I think have the power in the country in terms of like... My tinfoil hat is on in that <laughs> it's being used by the rich to short like the country, like to make, you know, stuff go down, to make, you know, things worse so that they can buy shares and stuff for cheaper so that they can clean up and then all of a sudden things are good again. And that was yeah. dark. but yeah fuck maybe that is exactly what's happening i mean i don't know like i mean it's a possibility like all the with all the crazy shit that's happened over like you know forever in this country like all the corruption that's happened all the dark things that have happened this is literally the darkest thing that they (laughs) could do is putting the whole country in the dark too i went out just before well like two hours before i came here and um it was like lighting candles i was like oh it's like we all get to have like a candlelit vigil, you know, <laughs> to think about the poor and like all the children that have died in shack fires and, you know. I don't know how many people are thinking about shack fires, but they probably might think a little bit more about, you know, yeah. like, oh, this is mm-hmm. something other people do every night. Yeah, like, could you read your kid a bedtime story tonight? You know? With a paraffin lamp, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, I mean, and that is the one thing, I guess, about it. But what that makes me think is just, no, we need to provide services for everyone. For everyone. Like, not, exactly. yeah, we shouldn't all be, like, communal. That was my kind of, like, thing. It's, like, it's, it's affecting people who have at the moment, but it's been affecting people who haven't had for fucking time, eternity. Exactly. And uh, I don't know if that's going to change. Like, I, I don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, the, what's the yeah? So we had all those forced removals. You went yeah. and shot it so with Samora. and I were like really fucking did some amazing work. We were like interviewing people and oh, yeah. We were, I think we. Were, I think I was really out of my depth. Like now, knowing more that I know now. Um, it would have been good for me to have more information behind me before approaching it, but yeah. At the time, you took take the opportunity because it's an opportunity. Yeah, and it it's something so you cared about. It was like this: we have to say like something has to be like spoken about, and um, you know, we're not seeing it kind of being communicated clearly in in the media that we're being like exposed to, and um, so yeah, so we went off and like with some like really proper interviews and like kind of like follow was this the, like the your first like journalistic experience at all yeah, in any way like fucking green as anything my dad was a journalist so there was kind of that idea and like like i had a very clear view on like ethics about those things it's also kind of weird like your dad was a journalist mitch's dad was a journalist he became a journalist you became a journalist <laughs> like. mitch and i are so tight around that as well we like we can sit and like chat about the first time I met Mitch, we were like sitting on, on the um, patio of Peter's place, and like I think we spoke for like four okay. hours. Just like for context, so <laughs> Mitch Harper, who I've interviewed before on the co- on the podcast, and Peter Mason, who Mitch spoke about on the podcast, yes. and who used to live with a bit. Yes. Uh, but we'll might chat about that just now. But still, so you started out. So um, we were like doing this kind of groundwork, and then like life happens and like there were times that Samora could go, I couldn't go, there were times that I could go, Samora couldn't go um, and there was like an, a, a march that was happening that I was aware of and like texted him, he couldn't make it so I went down by myself um, in hindsight maybe a bit naively <laughs> <laughs> and I met up with this amazing journalist, um, Ruth McLean and she um, is a journalist for the Times of London, and um, so you went there not having like a outlet yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, nothing. We, I think we had. Kay, just so people know that that's not usually what people do. Like no. usually, <laughs> usually people go on assignments, especially for stuff like that. I know, but like and or you like would have pitched the story beforehand, like being like, "This is I happening. We Should I cover I it?" I was for? really invested in in the story and the fact that like it wasn't being it wasn't being given the platform that it should have been given. That it's crazy that the like London Times is the one that. Yeah, well, because um, Sabu Zakode had like really close connections with a lot of kind of top ranking academics, Noam Chomsky being one of them. And uh, they had issued statements saying that they were really concerned about what was happening in South Africa. And I think this then spurred on like international interest into it. Um, so I met Ruth and her and I clicked it off immediately. And we had like a really good kind of understanding and she appreciated how like ethically concerned I was about things and doing things from a very ethical point of view and like I learned so much from her it was amazing so it was this great collaboration and we worked on quite a number of stories together and that was how I became a stringer for for the Times of London and, and how then long various other how long did that last um, for is it still well? going on are you still no um being a single mom and having to like drop things uh and like a like an hour's notice. Yeah, being a photojournalist is... Drive and, you know, not have, you know, 
any kind of net to to catch the the fallback and it wasn't it wasn't something that I could con- do long term it also wasn't something that was psychologically good, good for, for me yeah. and there were a number of situations that I found myself in where um I was like shit there's this kid and this kid is like you've got oh, to get home it, well yeah I just like I saw some really hectic stuff oh, and I don't think oh, I was in terms like, prepared like that to okay yeah, I don't think I was prepared for it. And, like, I had responsibilities at home and I needed to kind of focus on on those. And then there was an incident on, like, the last story that we did together, which kind of meant that they actually cut ties with me, where I was um, told to take a photograph of someone who had explicitly told me that they didn't want their photograph taken. Um, so, I mean, an easy decision for the you. the picture editor said, like, you have to take this photograph. And I was just like, no. And yeah, I didn't take the photograph and that was the last time I worked for them. That's kind of weird since they liked you because of your ethical standpoint. Yeah, and well, I mean, she liked me. She, she, she still believes you, in yeah. me. It, w- it was a personal kind of connection with her that's kind of... So, uh, but yeah. uh, that's also, I mean, I know this from experience, like, yeah. you know, the publications I've written for. I write for the editor. I don't really write for the publication. Not Well, I write for the person who I'm working with, you know, yeah. like on it. Like, yeah. And oftentimes you do have that, like where the publication yeah. itself isn't necessarily on your yeah. side like the editor or the person you're working with might but you do have those issues and like yeah, yeah i found and myself and not working for places because of that it's a really conservative paper um oh wow ruth, ruth has subsequently left she now works for the guardian um, okay and is there west african correspondent i think um unless things have changed um since i last chatted to her and um yeah so and then like there's to be able to make really decent money, the international work was like really sustainable, but you don't have a lot of international interests that kind of can pay for that kind of work. So, so you can every time you send them one photo, you get paid well for it. But the times well they want it, you, you to shoot, you get paid well for doing the assignments and like and all of that. You get paid really well. Were you writing as well? Also, no, no, no. no, no but okay. um, yeah. So you like got you got paid to actually just go, and then you also got paid for the shots. Exactly, that's okay. how it works. You get like your kind of expenses covered, and you get paid to, especially if they've commissioned you to do a story, then you get paid um, kind of like a flat rate. And then if they publish, then there is a, a rate for for image that's published. Or if you just submit, then they just pay you for the photographs that they that they, they actually use. Yeah, and it, it was sustainable, but the stories just weren't enough to kind of keep me going and also you've got to keep go finding horrible stories like yeah well yeah because i mean a lot of like they're horrible stories and that they because of your mindset and because of you know what people want in terms of news like you obviously wanted to show the stories of you know people being downtrodden and having a hard time there's another thing like photography is always manipulated like there there isn't yes your image is used with words and those words even in me taking a a photograph okay cool applying my own context and my own you know bias and my own kind of point of view on how I take it, the angle that I take it, the light. What you include in the background. All of that is is part and parcel of a manipulation of an image. Yeah, I mean... Whether it's done with the purest intention or not, like, there's no such thing as a, as a, like, just a straight, purest kind of image. I like that, yeah. Yeah, and um, I think I needed to do a lot more work on myself before I started to point my camera at other people. Um, And I was feeling conflicted about that. Like, I was, like, there you can get... There can be a thing where you start 
exoticizing poverty um yes and it becomes like it becomes your commodity poverty porn yeah or or war porn or violence porn and you know especially when there were the xenophobia um issues happening in town um i definitely felt that the media was complicit in in how that escalated yes agreed Um, entirely yeah so there were like a lot of kind of complex issues that i was trying to navigate with that that i felt that i wasn't actually doing what my initial intent was any good service and i mean i don't suppose that's why you started photography though like i i kind of started photography because i got kind of thrown into it because i left school and i just started working as an apprentice for various photographers in in joburg but was that like your passion or just a lucky job no i mean like i didn't even i I think i've always had a very like visual kind of image driven um kind of view of the world um, and like very emotive and like expressive and in those um, ways. But, but you could have gone graphic design. You could have gone art. No, you I could. could oh, graphics design. There's, oh no. But, <laughs> no but, offense to the graphic designers. But not for you. But like but visual arts in general was where you were always going to go. And this is kind of where I'm kind of at now, where it's kind of looking at images in a more kind of complex way. So you were in Joburg. You were apprenticing. Yeah, I like I left school pretty much. I mean, I was running away from school pretty much from <laughs> like high school. Uh, sorry, mom and dad. And uh, yeah, so I landed up in in Joburg with a really shitty boyfriend and um, just started doing some like apprenticing jobs through kind of social. Like like this is the thing. It's always been like through people that I know, like through having like good connections with people, and like. I mean, I think like everyone that's in any way slightly successful yeah. is that way because, and also just like because a of people they dose met of luck as well yeah well i mean even just the people you meet are sometimes yeah. lucky like yeah. you know the conversations you have like yeah. i mean i remember the reason why i got to do outland was just like i think like kevin bramble invited me to uh fucking what was it like there was a place on florida road and like i met chad who then yeah. like you know like met me and we had a conversation and from there it followed up into a whole music festival and it was just like yeah. a random night out you know like that leads down these paths which is the crazy thing about life like is networking baby it's networking, networking networking or serendipity you know well, i don't know because like i think it's more being but able to connect with people in a really real way like that's that's always been my thing. It's like being able to like really connect with people. And yeah, and you're not a fake person at all. It's yeah. one of the things I do appreciate about you. It's like you keep it, you keep you, but you also you've kept it real with me. Like you've yeah. like throughout the years, like definitely like at you know important times, like just said like some important shit that like <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'm being a bit of an asshole now. <laughs> Like if Kayla's picking it up, (laughs) no, you're definitely not hectic at all. No, you've never been hectic to me. Like you've just like when I've been like somewhat shitty, like you've called it out and like it's appreciated. Yeah, Yeah. and like I hope it comes back the same way. I mean, I think yeah, I think it has, hasn't it? (laughs) Like just in general with the people you keep around you, I'm sure they keep you on your toes. I'm very careful about who I keep close. And having good friends is is so important. But the thing is, like, what I'm saying is like you would pick people that would call you out on your bullshit. Yeah, definitely. And like that is su- that is more Some important. Some of my greatest friendships like currently are like <laughs> amazing people who are so good at calling me out on my bullshit. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I appreciate like about Paige, my girlfriend, is that. Yeah. It's like she's very good at like calling me out on stuff, but 
like unfortunately she's the, like often the first person to do it so i'm always like no like, <laughs> and then a little while later like oh yeah Paige said this thing that actually is completely and utterly true and i denied it at first you know but like and then do you go back and you say like hey you know that thing you said sometimes <laughs> <laughs> probably not often enough if i'm honest well. so like with photography sorry <laughs> like <laughs> change complete change of direction there um so you got into it and then what made you continue with it? So like, what was, I mean. I didn't have any other skill. This was like the thing that I'd kind of fallen into. and. Like so you didn't do other jobs? You hadn't done any other thing? Yeah. It was like the one thing I knew how to do. So I then worked for Mr. Price for. Um, I mean, you're a Durbanite, like so. Nine months. Oh, wow. That's, that's a pretty short period, actually. And left with a bit of a burning trail. Oh, is it? You're sure. not going back there? Like, I left, and then I think, like, pretty much every single other person in my department exited, and then they demoted a manager, and, like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, because I know, like, a lot of people are at Mr. Price right now listening to this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, like, the... Um, I got asked to do an apprentice job, well, like, just assistant job uh, for a photographer. Um, I think it was, like, maybe a week, maybe two weeks ago for Mr. Price. And, like, I was, like, yeah, absolutely keen, like, always keen to make some extra side cash. And um, I had worked on this assignment and gone to bed at 3 in the morning the previous night and then worked till 12, like, following night and then forgot to set my alarm and missed oh. the bus and I was I'm always that person that's like okay no it's fine I'm gonna get in the fucking car and drive that's the fucking like journalist in me it's like yeah yeah, oh, yeah. I'm gonna fucking get that story you know like on it and like I like had this moment where I was just like no absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> I will a not be risking my fucking cars petrol and lifetime and like <laughs> B, I'm not risking my life because I'm fucking tired and I'm probably going to crash the that, car. That's the part, C, yeah. if they never hire me again, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally burned on my bridges. I've had, I'm like I've had those situations many I times. I like <laughs> every, time, every time I've done that, like it's actually turned out to be okay. Like every, like... Uh, there's been a lot of jobs actually where I just haven't gone back. Yeah, like there's just that it's day. So there's, ju- there's just it's that just day like, where you wake up and you're like, like what the fuck you know what? I'm not doing this. Like some shitty fucking photographer from Cape Town. Like this is beneath. I hope me. I hope they're not listening. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're not listening. But uh, I don't care. I never met them. I don't know. Okay. They might have been lovely people. Kaylin doesn't <laughs> care, but I care. I want you as a guest on my podcast one day, and like anonymous Mr. Price photographer from to Cape me. Town. I'm an asshole. <laughs> Uh, and so you stopped, well, you haven't stopped photography, but you well, stopped no, being, so, yeah. uh, for the, the times. What I happened being there? I a freelancer. Fucking freelancing is so exploitative. You never know when your fucking pre- paycheck's going to be coming or not coming. <laughs> like, it's bad. Yes. And like, especially in advertising. You learn good, at, you, you learn how to manage your money good. You learn how to manage, <laughs> but I never needed fucking any more skills than that. Like, I'm a single mom. I know how to fucking manage my money yeah. good, you know. <laughs> but like, you, you don't get any of the fucking like, benefits of having a, a full-time job you work a thousand times harder on the job that you're working on and like i don't know there seems to be this like kind of glory associated to it and i think it's bullshit like it's just it's so fucking exploitative i tend to agree like as a freelancer who <laughs> doesn't make a lot of money like i mean i get yeah. paid fairly decently by the people who pay me to be right now like i'm pretty stoked about it i'm finally like after doing it for like what seven or eight years now 
get yeah. almost my rate. Like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is bullshit. You should have been getting your rate years ago, you know? Yeah, but you... But it is also... Know, it's yeah. the way the economy of the shit works because... But, and, like, the nurses are always the ones you get... Always the ones you get cut. You're always... You know? Yeah, and you're always the last one to get paid. Like, yeah. I... Like, so that's why I say, like, you get good at money management because you learn to... You just know it's not going to be coming. Like, exactly. Like, it's coming in a month. It ain't come, fucking coming in Exactly. Month. So you need to make sure you always have money yeah. in the bank. Exactly. Like, you just, like... You have your three accounts, essentially, (laughs) you know? Exactly. I still have my three accounts. Yeah, like, because you just, you know, like, sometimes, like, shit, like, at the end of this month, if they don't pay me, I still need to be able to cover cover. everything. Exactly. And that's the horrible thing about freelance. I mean, but, I mean, I obviously do it because I love it. It's fine when you're getting paid really well for the the jobs that you're getting paid, but, like, 90% of the time, you're not. No. In fact, 99.9% of the time, you're not. You're, you're exploited. You're like, exploited and you're expendable. You are very expendable because guess got, what? Like, Someone else wants to do the job exactly, as well. Exactly, for a lot fucking less. And, like, I think that, that my other thing of being, like, a photographer doing kind of, like, the advertising shit is that there's really not much skill involved. <laughs> I, I really don't believe that there's much skill involved. Like the I tend to agree. Really I tend to agree. Do anything creative, they literally just get told no, it's just what well you fucking do. Exactly. He's told what you fucking do by the like art director or anything. You've really got no input yeah, in whatsoever. It's the same thing with wedding photography. Yeah. Like you eventually, like I mean, by the time you've I done, I think it I'm just too much of a control freak. Yeah, but like the time you've done it for like two years, you've taken yeah. all the photos you can take in that genre. Like essentially, <laughs> like it's, it's like it's not getting you know any more radical let's be honest yeah i mean you haven't like every fashion photo well not every fashion photo looks the same but 90 percent of them look the same like and like there is a space for doing like really cutting edge like amazing fashion photography but like who's gonna pay you to do it here market for it here there's no market for it that that i think is the biggest issue for creatives in south africa is that brands are just i I, I don't think south africa like there's some amazing cutting edge photography that's coming out of south africa no i mean in terms of brand itself in terms of fucking durban okay it's like who 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 are like our kind of no, that's the thing. There's no one who's going to buy it. Like, there's no brands who are actually yeah. willing to put themselves behind like truly creative stuff in South Africa. Yeah. Like, there might be creative uh, photographers, but no, they are. They okay, are. what? I mean, I haven't seen it. Like, I haven't seen much that really like makes me go, "That's awesome. That's cool. That's clever." Like, okay, I see some. Of, like, I'm not pulling any names at the moment, but I see some amazing photography. Amazing no, I see them. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay, I see lots of good photography and fashion photography but yeah. that's not like necessarily what i mean by like like advertising you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. well i mean like advertising is just shit like what creativity goes into advertising <laughs> once again uh <laughs> not, not my viewpoint but also very much my viewpoint uh, i'm sure it's, like, it's where creatives go to die <laughs> It's where creatives I'm gonna go. I'm going to lose so many friends. <laughs> yeah, it's where creatives go to earn a paycheck, just like you've gone yeah, to do. Like exactly. And I don't have to I don't have to invest myself in that. Like it, I can completely compartmentalize and You see, but that's what I, that's why I think people do it as well. Like they get into advertising because like I said with Lee, like it's creative adjacent and so it's like yeah. you're doing something kind of creative or yeah. it's like you get to use like a slightly creative idea with the same thing you do all the time. Well, you get to get paid for your skill set that's mostly it and your skill but what i'm saying is like your skill set is at least to you i would imagine rewarding because you're getting to do something where you get to think creatively about it it's because for creative people you can't be in a job where you have to just be analytical all the time like you would struggle i really love a job where i 
<laughs> or it's just be analytical all the yeah time. like if, like it's just it's eight hours it's eight hours of like okay cool i definitely work more than like eight, eight hours, hours in a day but i can't work eight hours no, in no, a no, row it, like <laughs> this is like you go to a job and it's like it's like can't remember my working hours at the moment <laughs> but like half past eight till half past four with a half hour lunch break right yeah so it's like essentially like seven and a half hours but like that's it that's what i have to give to it like i don't have to yeah but because i've got all this other time in my life that, that I, I then get to use to be but the thing that. is like advertising is a creative job to a degree like yeah. so that's what i'm saying is people i think get into advertising because they're told you get to be creative plus yes. make money yes like so yes. yeah yeah but where is <laughs> i mean you make money you make money like that's i've heard it's nice oh, like <laughs> having money yeah you see because that's the thing like i can i can that's also the thing like i don't espouse the virtues of freelance i just do it because i want the freedom like i know yeah. that i'm making sacrifices i'm making major yeah. sacrifices in a lot of different ways by I living think the it's life i do it though. like if i if i didn't have a kid and all like i would definitely like just be doing my own and that is the thing. Once you get those like yeah. different responsibilities, it does change your life trajectory. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, if you didn't have a kid, how do you think? Like, this is a crazy question, but like, where yeah. do you think you would be now? Like, do you think you'd be Ooh, as dear. focused <laughs> as like? Do you think you'd be as focused and no, as like knowing not. yourself as well? Like, definitely not. Like, I've learned so much about myself and so much about life and so much about like managing life and managing people in my life. Um, and it, I've had to learn it really fast as well. Yeah. And it's like that. You can't fucking pay. Like you can't pay to go to Harvard for that. <laughs> yeah. You can't get a degree in it. Yeah. You, can, you can read the books, but it's still not the same as when you're in the actual situation. Of, yeah. This little motherfucker right here is testing my fucking buttons. But I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to do it. It's like I have become the most amazing negotiator. And it's been like amazing <laughs> skills that I can take into my office, like kind of space as well. Because it's like, uh, do this. No. <laughs> but I said, but I said no. <laughs> so you, That's my final word. So you've learned to be both more affirmative and also to be a better negotiator. Yeah. And it's like just teaches you, like being a parent teaches you so much about like human faultiness. <laughs> like so you can really kind of like say like, you're just having a really grumpy day. You probably need a nap. Like, <laughs> yeah. You learn to take it not so personally. And yeah, it's like it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Have a protein bar. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah, it's like, have you had an apple? Have you had your afternoon apple? <laughs> Did you go and do some exercise this weekend? <laughs> oh, man. man I, ca I can see how those skills can translate. And so obviously, yeah. like... But also, okay, on the other side, like how much, I mean, it must be a constant fear of like thinking about like what you do, how it's going to affect her. Like there's no such thing as the perfect parents. Yeah. And it's like your child will survive you. No matter what. They're really adaptable. Yeah. I mean, well. I mean, like I'm not about to go and like, you know, do anything that would result in her not surviving. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're actually okay. <laughs> no, but I get what you mean there. It's just... Yeah, like, no matter what, well, I mean, I don't know, like, different people do get fucked up, but it is... Yeah, I, I know some amazing um, kids that have, well, amazing adults, they're actually still kids, this is my point, like, people that have come from amazing homes... That are still terrible and... Like, really have not got their shit together. And some amazing it's, people come from terrible homes, yeah, and it's... it's like, at, at, there is a point where it's, life is what you make of it, 
you know, from my perspective and from her perspective, I, I'm completely invested into in giving her, you know, absolutely everything to make sure that she can self-actualize in the most incredible ways. And I'm like so here to watch that journey and like, but at you know the end of the day, there's going to be a point where it's no longer about me, and it's going to be about her. And you know, off you go into the world. And I hope that I've like given you the skills with which to cope with it, and cope with it because it's ever changing. Like the world that I'm kind of raising you to be a part of might not be the world that you actually end up going into. Yeah, I mean, well, this is the big fear at the moment yeah. for I think a lot of people is that general yeah. anxiety about the future because everything's happening so rapidly, whether it's technology, whether it's global warming, whether it's politics. Like, but I think it's also exciting. Like, I'm really excited for the future that Mia's going to go into. I mean, because the potential Even is the amazing. The potential is incredible. Like, the possibilities for the future of this earth are wonderful. Like, and, and it's like it's like the possibilities are becoming wider and wider and wider and wider. But it's just about making those possibilities the reality. That to me is always that's my biggest stress. Well, it's I like, think that's why you raise amazing kids. Like that's why I think it's important for for people to have kids. Like yeah. I know that there's a lot of like it's global warming. Like we shouldn't be having we shouldn't be procreating. Yeah, I'm, it's putting pressure I'm, on I'm the, like, definitely thinking we should like, we should chill out on some kids for I a little bit. I don't believe that. Like, I think we no. Like, I think we should just extinction is not having to is not procreating yes. like if, if we're we not want gonna, the human race to go extinct extinction yes, no like extinction is also overpopulation not that overpopulation is an issue but overpopulation in areas where there isn't enough human like resources like, i can do amazing things under pressure and like i think we're going to see some incredible like results out of I, but, you know but like do you not the, worry the that there's a, the do you not worry that there's too many of us for solutions to be impactful i don't think there's too many of us and it, like the the stats are showing that it, there's like, like 9 billion of us or something the, the population rate is actually slowing down it's, yeah. it's decreasing so you know that's the fucking great start um I mean, first, I mean, I, but I also, do, like, the I population isn't the issue. It's the... What uh, I'm concerned about is that's, like... And hopefully Mia will not be, you know, one of those kids. But how fucking horrible is that? It's like, I do think we're going to have a time on the planet where, like, there are going to be more... There's going to be more suffering. And I really hope that we're positioned in a way that she's not going to have to go through that, like, abject suffering. But then, like, you listen to stories of... Um, refugees that are coming from Syria and landing up in Germany and they are like they are amazing kids they are such amazing kids I listened to an interview recently of this um young girl she was the older sibling and you know she was tasked with looking after a younger sibling and she was an amazing swimmer so when they like were on the boat and there were too many people on the boat she got off the boat and she literally like swam, swam. the fucking boat to safety that is a level of gangster that I would right? never even imagine reaching. So imagine, like, like, I don't think that a child should ever have to go through that and ever have to deal with the fucking pressure of having to be responsible for like 20 other people's yeah. lives. Like, fuck, that's not cool. Yeah, because if that doesn't go well, that's... But, but even it if it does, it's It also just shows all. you the, the capacity for, you know, human kindness and, you know, just like... And also, I mean, like, it's cliche to say, but kids are our future. And at the moment, they seem kids to kind of be, like, so, like, at the moment, they seem to kind of be our moral leaders. Well, we need to have more of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So my, my thing is, there's enough kids without homes that, like, rather adopt first and then maybe have a kid. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, it's different. You, No, like, I always be so keen on adopting. 
Yeah, yeah, we That's were discussing that yeah, earlier. Definitely something on the cards. But like, would you plan to? No, let's not get down that road. <laughs> no, go for like, it. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, would you plan to adopt like before you had Mia? Um, or were you always thinking like maybe I'll have like my own children with the right guy? Or, like, what was your thinking? Did you ever think about kids no, beforehand? No, no, no. I mean, like, I really considered abortion as like a very real option. I had booked an appointment at Maurice Stopes and sat outside that fucking <laughs> clinic, and I was like, well, okay, what, cool. What made you not go in? Um, I, I think I just. I hope me I live a list to this. No, no. I mean, I, I will always be really fucking honest with her about it because it's. It's the reason why I'm so pro-choice is because in being able to make a choice yeah. about it. You get to decide. Exactly. Like amazing parents, I hope. Um, and has made her an amazing. And it's also it's because like, you like, yeah, exactly. You weren't obligated. Exactly. You I chose made this to do that. This choice. And like, I'm dedicated to seeing it through to, to the end and, and to the best of my ability. But when you were there, like what made like. I'd had this dream <laughs> <laughs> the previous night. I know it sounds so cliche. Well, it's, but like, it's your subconscious. It's it my subconscious. I think I just desperately. I, I think that it was a way for me to care for myself. In like externalizing like the child in me, I was able to care for like a child that was also like the child in me. So you were able to care for yourself whilst caring yeah, for the child, and big you time. were do you do, so you feel like you were able to deal with your own issues a lot more. Yeah, well, like, I had to. You you like fuck your kid will like make you confront all the issues <laughs> like <laughs> that you could even think like things that you never even thought were an issue or all of a sudden like like oh wow i've got that thing <laughs> i better deal with that like your kid will really like bring all of that out in you and yeah you've got to fucking confront that shit <laughs> yeah you see once again this is reasons why i don't want a kid man like i've already you gotta be brave Bob. i'm already confronting myself <laughs> enough no for me it's just i'm like my rent's already just gone up <laughs> and i'm already in that situation of like i am going to be pinching well, pins i don't know because it's also it's amazing but you have because I you have a strategizing because I've had to confront all those things, I've, I'm like really aware of my weakness. It then makes me really aware of how to kind of overcome it. And yeah. But it's also like the, the thing is, I mean, I guess what Paranoid does is it does just make people, it forces them into situations of being more giving and selfless and just having to shift their lives in massive ways to like look after their kids. And you can do it with a little and you can, you know, because I just look at how much work goes into it and how people like just from less advantaged places is yeah. places is <laughs> places <laughs> do it, you know, on like 900 bucks and, you know, can still raise yeah. like, you know, kids and stuff. Yeah. People become resourceful when yeah. you have to provide for kids, someone kids else. Kids end up going to Oxford. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, bring down fucking Cecil John Rhodes. Yeah. Although, yeah. unfortunately, that's still an anomaly. It's not the norm. And it's because yeah. you have to, I mean... If you work hard enough to get yourself out of a township, you know, you're obviously also, going to work hard enough to get... It's horrible, like, I don't know if you ever remember that, like, picture of, like, a kid studying under fucking candlelight. Yeah. You know, there's that, like, again, that poverty porn of, like, you know, oh, you're going to struggle so hard, but, like... Eventually, really that's place. exactly like, it. Yeah, it's, it's... That's the thing that, like, so we can say, like, yes, you know, like, some kids have made it to Oxford out of townships, but it's, yeah. like... More kids from private, uh, more kids from private like schools made it to Oxford. <laughs> yeah, probably not Oxford. Maybe not Oxford, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like more kids from private schools made it to like good universities yeah. than yeah. the few kids who 
overcame all I, the obstacles. The, the kids who didn't like get washed away by a river walking to school in Eastern Cape, you know, like or didn't pull, fall into the fucking pit latrine. Exactly, like that had already been paid to be fucking. Exactly. So that's exactly it. It's like it's, and that's I guess is both of our issues with things is just like the opportunities aren't the same they aren't fair like it's not like yeah there's so many kids just aren't actually even given the opportunity to ever get to oxford and like the few like who managed to overcome their circumstances not that i think that oxford is something that people should no, be but like it's no like but we, we're putting it to at all but yeah, i mean, if, I mean but if it like is that, but if, I, if I it is your goal it's, it's an admirable fees goal fees must fall like you know, there there are so many ways to educate yourself. Other than university. Yeah. I, I agree. And like, I, at risk of definitely catching some heat, like I do definitely see that online a lot. Like where people like are complaining about their studies and how hectic it is and stuff like that. And I know like, I definitely have white privilege in that regard and that like I didn't have to study, but like, yeah, like I created my own thing whilst working multiple jobs and so that I could get work experience and all that because I didn't study and couldn't study. Well, probably could have but I didn't and whatever and so a lot of the time I'm like well I, but at the same time maybe that is the big thing big difference with me being white is I was always like I can still get a job you know whereas yeah, like I think like a lot of black people got, maybe have exactly, that thing of option, like they have like, to get a degree to even be considered to, exactly like whereas in order to get out of that cycle of poverty they like that is the only option that is available for me it was like I just don't want to do those like I don't want to go into places that require me to do that you know <laughs> like so <coughs> I just shifted things and I know other people do that as well you know people see like every, we all see well not all of us but a lot of different people see systems in place and go I don't want to be a part of that one and maybe more people need to do that instead of subscribing to what they're yeah, being sold because the, pro- as well and, and the problem is ways to university like while i can say like oh you know it's a sham it is also a sham it's a it's a business that's there to make you think that you need it so that you can get a job it's no longer a place where you go to just get educated anymore you're it's vocational training it's like it's a like even going to ukzn it's not that different from going to, you know, a TVET college. Like, you know, they're the same thing. You're learning different skills, but you're just learning something to get a job, like, a lot of the time. Like, yeah. people don't go I think, to... I think they are, like... I mean, I've found the degree that I'm working now, on at yeah, the moment, yeah. like, so this fucking is, inspiring. Like, that's so awesome. inspiring. But it's, it would never have done what it's doing for me now had I done it when, you were when I was younger. Actually, that's a good... Let's actually talk about that yeah. do you think you should study out of school because this is something like even now i'm like maybe i should start studying now because yeah. i'm like now i've got an idea like i'm 32 exactly. now now i've got a, a fucking <laughs> idea of what i've and because it's no because it's no longer about what do i want to do or what do i want to become exactly. so you know back in the day i used to want to study philosophy politics economics because i yeah. wanted to become a politician yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god pop the president <laughs> yeah been great. that was my goal like when i was young i was like could yeah. still happen uh, there's too many naked pictures of me on the internet <laughs> it could still happen <laughs> yeah fuck we're living in the age of donald trump so someone raped someone and, they and were it's still, still able to get i mean well president. yeah i mean so ugh, let's not go down that path of just the evilness i'm actually trying to think now where do we go how long have we done cool um, we're well over we, an hour but we? i still well no we're not well over but yeah where do we want to go from here still well, with the photography things okay go, okay Educational Kay. photography. 
Oh yeah, um, yeah. The educational thing. So as we get older, like, so do you think it's better to study? Cause, but that is the problem that we have with our education system is that, like, it well with the varsity system. Like I was saying, like it's created so that you get a job from. Well, it's not even created so you get a job from. It's created so you think you'll get a job from it. Like a lot of people get degrees and can't get jobs afterwards. No, I know. Like because and, and like a lot of people have got like a fucking masters and they're earning like. I know, they're earning like half of what I'm fucking earning at the moment. And wow. I've got like no fucking degree behind me at all. But like, you've got work experience. I mean, work experience. And that's, that's, that was the thing that I saw was like, for me, like creating Durban is yours. The whole thing was like, and I said like, I'd give it three years because that would be a varsity degree. Yeah. And like, so that would be three yeah. years of actual work experience, yeah. though, like of doing the thing that I want to do. Yeah. Like obviously being taught. And it's learning professional skills as well. Learning how to like manage people. And Yes. You know. That's it. You're in the, that's the thing. You're in the industry. You're not just being yeah. taught by someone in the industry of how it's going to be in three years time. But I also think not but all degrees th- is created equal. Like Agreed and, entirely. And when you approach well, it... Well, so I'm ignorant as fucking this shit, so... Pe- people who approach it to just kind of get the degree, who then go out to get, you know, the job, like, that's one approach to it. But And, and maybe it's because I'm doing it as an older, older student. Um, but when you're going at it because you actually just want to... Learn. See, that's to learn. me, that to me like is what university like should be. Exactly. Like that's, And that's what it should be sold to everyone as. And that's but how... who has the luxury of that? Exactly. You see, this is... Like, I've got the luxury now because I've got a steady job and I can pay for those... Yeah, but like you say you've got the luxury of it, but it's still taking up a lot of your time. Like, it's still not a luxury because you, you bring up a kid and you've got a full-time job. It's a grind, so but it's still a yes, fucking luxury. It's not it's still a luxury to, like, that you have. indulge myself in, like, you know, learning about, like, conceptual fucking arts and, like... And like, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's that's amazing. not exactly survivalist. Exactly, like, it's you know? not essential to your survival, but, but it, I think it it's is essential though. to ma- mankind. Like, I exactly. really think it's essential to us being able to communicate well with each other and being able to <laughs> empathize. Um, and especially when people are stuck in a bubble, it's one of the ways that you can like burst that bubble. It's through um, arts. Yeah, yeah. You, you can confront people through imagery, through words, through in everything. In a much more effective way. I mean, I look at my own life and yeah. most of the ideas that, like, you know, I swallow are ones that were given to me in a way that was either pleasing or not. <laughs> like, you know, like it was either jarring or it was pleasing. But either yeah. way, it's something that, like, stuck in your mind. And the idea then molds around on you just because of the way it was presented to you. So, of course art has a huge importance in discourse like and i do think varsity is important like i think everyone should be able to go to varsity to learn whatever they want yeah and also to be like, to be to be taught to think critically yeah but critical thing is not a part of all varsity courses exactly so not all varsity courses are created equal but to be able to think critically i mean critical thing is like probably the most important thing you could learn right now thing. Absolutely. Like we're in the age of misinformation. Absolutely. So even me, like I like I think I'm pretty good at critical thinking. I think I'm a pretty reasonable human being. And there's a lot of days where I'm just like, I don't you know what to believe wings. anymore. Yeah. Like not even I got hoodwinks, it's like I can't take a position here because I don't know what to believe. Like I can't like the, I can't trust any of the evidence. And that's yeah. a horrible position. That's the like one of the horrible things about where the state that we're in now. Like it's yeah. the nineteen gaslighting. Yeah, the nineteen eighty four versus nineteen eighty four versus Brave New World like shit that everyone always <laughs> talks about. Like yes. <laughs> and that's it. Like that is we are we're living in both at the same time. <laughs> like and it's completely frustrating because it's nowhere near as exciting as it uh, 
seemed in the books. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's really mundane. Hey, like, it's so boring. But I don't know. But that's I what I think. Get like, frustrated with people and like, I think the boringness of life isn't just to do with the like social political kind of climate that we're in at the moment. It's also because people just fucking settle. Like yeah. have some fucking high expectations. Yeah, but the set, but like the settling is on purpose. Like the settling is also part of the program. Like you know, like you're meant to once you yeah, are you, comfortable. So you, you finish c- my trick. You go to university. You get the BCom degree. You fucking get a job. You get married. You have two point four kids, and then what? What do you mean? You're done. <laughs> it's so sad. It is, and but I mean, like but there is lots around that, and people live their lives around that, and like. I don't And you can like, and like, I we mean, don't like, we don't I'm all have to have in, in like it's not deepest darkest white suburbia but in we're living in white suburbia. Where you at? And just behind in the Beanie Hospital. Oh snap, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Well no one's gonna know exactly where, so sure. it's fine. Um and I think it's really important for and I regard myself as quite radical and I live myself and regard my life as quite radical. Um, and I think it's important for radical people to be living in kind of your, like your humdrum white suburbia kind of, you know. <laughs> so the hatred just grows every day. But, no, because you get to confront those people on like a kind of same level basis and challenge them on that playing field, which creates a whole other dynamic. Well, I was going to say, doesn't that then just, cre- like, does that create conflict for you? Does that create weird situations where you're now that person who is being disruptive within like those spaces i mean i'm not like actively going out and picketing outside their homes but like but you're bringing it up when they drop a little like racist yeah, thing yeah exactly like you know that's really racist <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of like look at you and like i, I think it's important to do that yeah. in like a kind of you know subliminal way well, not subliminal but like very kind of yeah i don't think confrontational any but without being confrontational way of just yeah. kind of like you know it's really racist yeah i don't think any then, black like, person's going to be like surprised that you have to tell other white people that they're being racist oh, but yeah. they might be a bit surprised that a white person's telling another white person that they're <laughs> being racist they should be, uh, that should be the norm that should yeah. really be the fucking norm and that's what and i like and about like, again it doesn't have to be in this kind of like oh you're being a fucking racist like what the fuck's your problem because that's more about your fucking issues yeah honest. yeah it's about it's more about you needing to fucking stand on a box and feel important to make sure and also and so that you make sure that people don't think you're a racist because yeah you're dealing with self-defensive yeah because you are dealing still with your own racism because yeah. we're white we've, we've been brought up racist yeah. like that is the truth like that is the truth of the matter and you're forever trying to not be <laughs> like yeah. you know and trying to unlearn what you're brought up with and so you know people will do it unknowingly sometimes even and like you know they'll and so, but also, so you're like, they'll be like trying to fight other racists because they have racist thoughts still and they hear it, other people saying them. Yeah. And it's that othering thing. Is that like finding the abject. Yeah. So it's like, like, it's like, you said you're the, not me. You so said, I'm going to like yeah. really make sure that you're not exactly. me. And I'm like, you are like, but it's also, you said the thing, thing five years, the, like, that I said five years ago. So like five years ago, I would have said that thing that you just said but I'm not that person anymore. I don't want to be seen as that person anymore. So fuck you. You're terrible. And I'm saying this because me, like I've done this, like <laughs> is that exact thing of like, you see yourself in that person. And so you're shitty to them because you just don't, you hate yourself almost for like, you yeah. see, like that's it. You're yeah. like, you hate and, seeing and yourself like, reflected in another person. And so you take it out on them, like, because you used to like, you know, have racist thoughts and say racist things and like not just racism, just all of it, you know, like 
Yeah, so <laughs> it's a com it's a very complicated mess like that you do do that to other people sometimes. You take out your own insecurities and problems that yeah, and we see actions on, we see it on social media all the time like somebody like fucking like jumping on and like someone who like two weeks ago was a misogynist and then learned that exactly. misogyny was bad was, like the greatest feminist ever please somebody sort of my dick you know kind of shit like yeah yeah i mean once again i was kind of that guy at times so like <laughs> <coughs> i hope i called you out on it i'm sure you did at times <laughs> like yeah it was only ever woman who really called me out like yeah. on my shit. Shit, women are burdened with doing a lot of that. I know. Black women are fucking burdened with doing a lot of that. Yeah, but we are going to end oh, on sorry. the yeah, thing that I wanted to it. talk to you about <laughs> most of the time is photography. What are you doing with it these days? So you, you're you doing the product stuff for the jewelry. I'm doing the, the product jewelry. stuff, um, which I don't really see as... I mean, it's it's really mechanical. It, yeah, like, it, it's, like, it's the job. mechanical part of photography and that is just like that it's is lighting like shutter speed just cool lumens yeah. are correct yeah make Got sure your composition is like attractive etc um so so what photography it, yeah what makes it creative for you because yeah i mean well, those are the basics the, with the visual arts degree what i'm having to do is um well i'm using my photography to create resource material for my various assignments that i have to do so i have to draw i have to paint and I'm using my photography to create resource material to do that. So what's it like to paint now and draw now? Have you always done that or not? No. This yeah, like, like getting into in your 30s know, is like insane. Is, it's, what am I doing? I'm like so out of my depth. But um, but also it's so nice to, you know, just dive into something that's like, I'm, I'm, it's just completely fucking raw ads. Like, and what, yeah, yeah, how does that feel? Like, do you... To my ignorance. Is, I mean, I guess there must be a lot of frustration, but at the same time, like, there must be a lot of just it's fun. It's very exhilarating. Yeah. It's, like, so, so I started, I've always done um, nude modeling for figure drawing classes. As in you've been the model? Yes. Yeah, we've done that together, not for yes. figure modeling, but for... So, yeah for, yeah, for kind of art projects, but also for... Okay, but why, though? Why? Why do you pose? I find it incredibly expressive and there's something amazing about sitting still for a very long time. And like the, the nudity has nothing to do with it, like being naked in front of people. Uh, what, like that I'm a bit of an exhibitionist? Yeah. You know, I think like the naked form isn't always about exhibition and I don't think it is for me at all. Like, in fact, it's like... Do you think it's the exact opposite? Yes, like it's like it's a very private space and um, often when... Uh, especially in like the the art classes that I pose for, um, I get to see more into the various artists because of what drawing. they produce, or we, even when well, they're just drawing. Because of their like, yeah, how they draw, how they draw, how they interact, how they interact with the space. You get to see so much more. I mean, you could in obviously fact, see their own insecurities and like, yes. So because you're actually observing them the whole time. The whole time, yeah. And like, so while so it's a really interesting study of of humans. How's it affected your photography being uh, the po the person posing? I find it really hard to photograph models. Like I don't, I don't really. In, in because of it, I, or just I in general? No, I just haven't found like my groove with it. Um, yeah, maybe there's just like too much going on conceptually in my what mind is, about what it. What is it about? Is it about I, I, this the? That's actually literally something that I've just thought about now. So I don't. 
or yeah. I mean, but is it like uh, interacting with the person thing or getting yeah, them I mean, to do I what know, you need or like, like? I mean, like also my job at the moment is product, so it's very yeah. Kind of but like but I'm that's what I'm saying. Like, so you want an exact result, but and you're not going like to get that with a bottle. That I'm doing at the moment for my art project is that I'm photographing mannequins, so it's yeah. like very like the non-human form posed as, as a, a human, human kind of and. I'm very interested in robots and I'm very interested in how like But do you the, prefer the, the mannequins? I, it just creates an in, more interesting well currently a more interesting dynamic for like where my thought process is going at the moment. But it's also not like an ability to pose them however you want and like not relying on them no, or no, not no, at all. No, no. I mean like So that's got nothing to do with it. So you no, never you, like it's really never static. about the model doing the wrong. Really that's to the same, but like at it, all. but it's never about the model not doing what you want in the no, photo. No, okay. no, no. This is more I was worried about that. Uh, no. <laughs> no, this is more just like that interesting idea of I mean like um I've been hearing a lot about like um so robotics kind of like the this the is one of my big in, like in robotics are like sex dolls yes like they are like they, they are the forerunners well yes porn were the forerunners of streaming and, like, and everything yeah, your, yes your virtual reality and all of that kind yeah. of technology that's coming into effect so i'm really fascinated with that idea of like relationships between um, a human being and an uh, inanimate object. It's and kind of crazy that there's going to the be ethical like... ethical kind of like questions around that and... What do you... Okay, what are the ethical questions? Are ethical questions? Like well, it depends the, on how much consciousness they have. Does it? Yes. Does it? Like, uh, so there's a robot that is um, able to be programmed to say no, like be frigid, the frigid mode. So basically, it's a robot that has a rapeable program. <sighs> exactly. <sighs> you see, I don't know, like, if that's like, exactly. what, like a good or a bad like, thing, because it's like, if if you know, you have people with those tendencies, if they now have a way to like, so, like enact with, them, like, or does it enable them? Exactly, because this like, is the thing. This is the yeah. conversation, and like. That's the question. It's like, does it now enable them to do it to other people, or does it now rem remove them from the situation? Is it by giving them an outlet that they now are exercising or their are tendencies, like, or we or now enabling is them? Society so fucking lonely, and we're so disconnected from our humanity that we're more capable of having an intimate relationship with an inanimate object, and it's See, easier for us to act out our like. I don't know if it's loneliness or convenience or just fear or just there's a lot of things, but like I don't know if it's just loneliness that's the reason why like someone you know gets a robot. Like I think there's a lot of things like. And is it like a control thing? Is it about? Like you see, that's 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 where I would think it's more a thing of you don't never want never being challenged. Exactly, you don't really want to date someone who. You know, can say no. Who isn't it's your ideal? You exactly. Yeah. I mean, it can lead to some very fucked up. Like, I don't think it's necessarily. I think sex dolls can be an interesting thing. You know, like, I think on the whole, probably psychologically going to be terrible. But I think for a few people, sex dolls could actually be very necessary. Like, you by someone who's disabled. Exactly. That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Like, you know, <coughs> just let, but also socially disabled, like not socially disabled, <coughs> like just you know, social issues, and just you know, you have different. However, like. But at the same time, like developing attachments to inanimate like objects, definitely is psychologically. But don't we already do that in some ways as yeah, well? Yeah, we do. You know? 
So yeah, so these are kind of. I mean, of like, the, what's the difference between a vibrator and a sex doll? <laughs> like that that abject human form. The form. That, like the actual human form, and so this is something. I mean, that I'm it's just like. Quite a lot. But the thing is, like a pocket pussy versus and, a vibrator also, also just aren't well, the yeah, same thing. And like, like like most female vibrators, most they they do not look like dicks. Like there's a no. dildo, and <laughs> then you get like a fucking vibrator. Like it looks like something made out of out of space, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like it looks like extraterrestrial the, and fantastic. <laughs> from what I understand, the best vibrators are the weirdest vibrators. Yeah, they <laughs> look fucking weird, and like yeah. And they so, can do weird. They, they, they get to different spots yeah. they and like, places like, that sense, you're like in bats and like there's like <laughs> sensory ones and there's like yeah there's like amazing developments in like female but, sex toys yeah so that's the thing like and, guys and as guys we can always like be a bit more like jealous of like you guys because you guys were on the forefront of like sex technology for the longest like in terms of vibrators oh, like no, i mean like a lot of the sex toys that we've developed were developed to treat female hysteria. hysteria yes you guys were given ecstasy and vibrators <laughs> to deal with hysteria like i haven't fucking sourced that like re- check those sources on that but like well there was i mean yeah i've heard that as well yeah. but i mean there is the thing of well just ecstasy and cocaine and heroin being prescribed like in the early 1900s mm. a lot mm. like people mm. people were prescribed drugs that nowadays you go to jail mm. to it's take amazing. it's amazing but yeah the whole so the sex doll thing is crazy, but it is leading to advancements just in um, the yeah facial technology of robots. Which, well, the the humanoid version of it, yeah. like you got Boston and that Dynamics. And has amazing, like amazing kind of ripple effects in terms of prosthetics and like you know. Exactly. But then you see, like I've also got this kind of like mm, like a bit of resistance and like it's like problematic for me to say, but like you know, I'm not able-bodied got nothing that i would need to have done to me like so you are you are able-bodied sorry i am able-bodied i've got nothing that needs to like happen to me from a like you know fix my aesthetics or anything that i feel and you know what would happen if i had like an accident or something you know everyone would kind of jump well you've got to fix that well maybe you don't have to fix that maybe that's like it's more important for you to you know have to deal with that like so that, that's the thing about modeling is that you are forced into, you have to be completely still for an hour. And it really makes me think about, you know, the supposed freedom that we have with our bodies. And is it not important for us to also understand that our, f- that our bodies are also that cage that kind of holds us in as well and that's, yeah, we're more than our body. It's like our body isn't us. Well, I mean, that is what makes us different is that we're and more I than our body. Well, it's what we think it makes like much more. age where like, technology is developing that re- keeps reinforcing that you are your body and like keeps bringing you back into, into that. And I think that has kind of correlating like themes in terms of race and in terms of aesthetics and in terms of like gender and all of those things like everything is about your appearance not just your body but like literally how you look like it's the vessel that you're in superficial it's a superficial understanding of who you are as a person but when it comes to robots now like how superficial is the understanding you know like completely i mean it's like being they're being made by I don't know if you've seen any of the interviews. I've seen, like yes, the Japanese yeah. dude. Like, yeah. yes. No, he's not Japanese. The guy in California. Oh, no. I, what, which guy in California? 
I don't know. I'll see you then. Oh like, no, I know. <laughs> like I know. Like, like I saw a thing of like with like in Japan, like they're making like child dolls. Like oh, okay. No, yeah. I'm not talking about the child oh. dolls one. I, I can't. I can't go there. Yeah. But um, that's that's the, the thing that just got me fucked up because it is a thing of like. So the, the is this good or bad? Because I think it's probably like bad. Having, like, uh, like serious AI, like they're able to respond back to you. Like they're learning. They're kind of. I mean, it's not complete AI, but, but it, is, it is really kind w- of... When Skynet comes online, um, <laughs> that, like, um, it's, it's my eternal fear, man. Well, actually, it's not a fear. It's just the biggest question I have is, will the singularity happen before humanity kills itself? I don't think it matters. Well, it does for intelligent life to continue. Because I feel like you know, robots like will be the, the next the intelligent yeah, life that we'll exists. Yeah, but we'll be so fucking oblivious because that well, kind we'll of be intelligence dead. will be... It, so fucking like beyond our understanding yeah. if it happens i mean i mean there's also p- possibility we're, we're that it won't well that's that's the other thing is us reasons. just us just becoming cyborgs like and then that just being the future is also you know third yeah. option and i think that is driven by this kind of appearance thing more and like this kind of eternal youth thing and like wanting to maintain that and i think there's something profoundly human that we're missing about our bodies degenerating and getting old and like having to uh, on a psychological level having to live inside a body that is not doing the things that in your mind you can do but do you not think it's but do you not think it's always been the goal of humans to live forever like that's why we created heaven and hell like that's why who fucking wants to it sounds like a really boring idea i mean well what's the alternative Non-existent. No, you fucking value the life that you have here and oh, now. Oh, of course. I mean, I value the life that I have here you and now. Won't, but if, if you I know could, it's going to go on forever. No, I mean, I don't think you could go on forever. <laughs> but I would like. I'm curious. Like between, like that's the thing. Like I'm more. I'm, I feel like I'm more curious than I am suicidal. And <laughs> so, like, Good to know. <laughs> yeah, like that's why. Like I keep like carrying on because I'm always like. You know what? Like, let's see what tomorrow is gonna bring, or not even tomorrow. Let's see what next week's gonna bring. Tomorrow is probably gonna be shit. <laughs> but you know, I want to see. Like, I want to see if the robots beat global warming. <laughs> like that is forever going to just be the. But it's probably just going to be fascism that takes over. <laughs> You're very cynical. <laughs> I am rather I cynical, but I'm also very hopeful. Like, but I am just constantly driven into yeah cynicism. <laughs> Yeah, I think cynicism's healthy though. It keeps us in check. It does, but as um, Oscar Wilde said, and like I've exhibited it multiple times, is like, yeah, a cynic is someone who knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. And there's been multiple times in my life where I've known exactly the price of stuff and like <laughs> negated the you know emotional value of it just because yeah. like of knowing the financial price and being so, like and valuing it in that regard. Yeah. So and I think this is the same thing with with wanting to kind of upgrade our bodies and live forever. Like I think what we're actually going to be paying is. Is not what we realize that well yes i mean i don't know i mean it isn't probably the next step in human evolution is like virtual reality and you know fucking robotics and stuff like that but will we still be human is definitely a very good question and what like, is being human well yes that's i mean <laughs> that's the big do you question know your, what did you ask me at the beginning like who are you now? Like, <laughs> yeah. What do you pay yourself now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think we could probably end there. Yeah, this has been a fun... <laughs> this definitely didn't go the way I thought. Like, 
I thought we were going to talk yeah. so much more about photography, but this has been <laughs> so much better, actually. Like, and the, like, that's why I love talking I'm to glad. you is because our conversation, like, we, we, that's the thing is we do have conversations like this off mic. So it's not like yeah. we had it for the audience, yeah. but having an audience definitely did, like, there were times where I was like, how. Oh, shit. Not, not <laughs> oh, shit, but just like, you know, how qualified are we to have conversations? No, yeah, like, yeah, but. Like, I think they're. But at the same time, you need... Things to think about. Exactly. For us and for whoever's listening to this. So thank you so much for your time, Kaylin. It's been so cool getting to know you Always. even just a little bit better. Oh, like, yeah, we know each other pretty well at this point. But, like, that's what's been so dope about doing these podcasts with people is yeah. I get to find out more. I get to, like, learn more about them. And, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Bad. It was awesome.